Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting installment of Tricky Animals Part De. With you as always is Carl Slominski, and to my right is... Jenilyn Wright. Oh, she's so professional. <laughs> and uh, how you doing, Jenna? Pretty great, pretty great. Um, can't complain. It's a Wednesday, right? Yeah. This is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it real quick. Uh, I'm going to blow up Jenna's spot immediately in this Me. episode. Uh, and say that she's been going through a bit of an existential crisis. But you can just say I had my head up my ass. You can say it. <laughs> existential crisis. Uh, the medical term for head up the ass syndrome has yet to be determined uh-huh. by the FDA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I introduced the cure that always seems to fix all of my ailments, creatively speaking, when I'm stuck in a, in a void, and that is schlock movies. Yes. It, well, it's inspired by the... Uh the series of posts I'm doing about Jenna Gets Film Schooled, um, but those I'm trying to stick to, like, highbrow, like, classics or hidden gems that I should have film, seen. Film school shit. Yeah, film school shit. Whereas, you want to like, sound really cool with your, you know... Three friends? Three friends from <laughs> film school. Uh, yeah. All making micro-budget metaphor movies. The film school I didn't attend. Um, yeah, and so with this, I do enjoy... I don't want to call them terrible movies because the things we've seen haven't been terrible, but, like... Things people I don't think hold in high esteem, at least in like snobby circles. Lesser regarded films with cinematic value. Sure, we can go with that. B movies. Yeah, B movies. I love B movies. The movies that like the kids in the black t-shirts like to talk about. Yeah, so today we wanted to talk about, we've been kind of binging stuff. We're going to watch some more tonight, I think, but uh... So she thinks. (laughs) We, um, we've seen a handful in the past few days and rather than, you know, write stuff out, we need hot content for, for Tricky Animals, the podcast, and so we're going to talk about some of the ones we've seen today. So wait a minute, you're saying that watching movies was just a clever ruse so that you had a conversation piece? No, I actually really like movies. It just so happens that it works well for both things. All right, I, I'm just, I'm not going to allow this. What, are you this. too good? Yes. You're too good for content? I am higher quality than the movies we watched. Mm, okay. Except for a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Most of them. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, you had a couple firsts in this. Uh, yes. No, I'll, well, I mean, I kind of saw the third one before, so but the, I wasn't really paying attention. The third that you kind of saw was uh, the classic Night of the Comet. Night of the Comet, which I had seen in bits and pieces. Featuring my girlfriend from The Last Starfighter. Who we love. She's gorgeous. Um, and the night prior, we watched, what else did we watched? Return of the Living Dead. And Society. Yes. You, you did a twofer. That was a that was a big time twofer. Brian Usna's uh, society uh, to round out the collection of left of center handsome almost leading men with mullets. Yeah, d- brunettes, always white. They always look like eyes. Kurt Cameron's brother. Oh, we also watched uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which was a first time for Jenna because Jenna doesn't like movies. Speaking of again, brunette dudes, brunette white dudes with blonde eyes who are running around from killers and or mayhem and or clowns and or clowns so the the reason why i brought up the fact that you've been engaging with all of this listen to me engaging fuck off carl (laughs) you've been watching all these movies is because i have a working theory that i've explained to you before but i'm going to explain to the lovely audience right now is Uh uh i would much rather see a flick that the people behind it clearly had an affinity and an adoration for the material yeah. and the actual making of movies. Yeah. And they swing very, very hard for the fences and usually land somewhere far from that. I appreciate the... You appreciate the swing. 
I appreciate the Muppet movie, Let's Make a Show of It All. Like, I like, come on, guys, let's make a movie. Of course you brought it back to Muppets. It's got, hey, puppet count, number one, right there, puppet count. We'll bring up puppets again, don't worry. Um, but that has always been the kind of movie that I gravitate towards on varying degrees of the scale, whether it be stuff like this or more recently a movie like Babylon, which I think I'm the only person that liked. I liked it from what I saw. I didn't get to see the end, but I liked it's it. It's a four-hour movie, so it's okay if you had to take a nap. <laughs> I'm not that old. Uh, not that old, but you are that sleepy. True. Um, but you, I think you've been a little crestfallen lately with cinema as most of the things that we have watched as of late, probably the last five years, has <sighs> felt a little stifled, a little creatively stunted. Listen, I'm not like a cinema purist. I don't think that everything has to be shot on film. I think that there are people out there getting opportunities they would have never otherwise had um, with the technology that exists today. Um, I'm hoping soon to be one of them. But at the same time, I get very disheartened by how many movies, especially in the horror space or the thriller space, look like Canadian soap operas. No offense to Canadian soap operas. Like, but... I love a good Canadian soap opera, but like, that's if I'm going to watch one, that's what I want to watch. I don't want it to be a movie I thought was going to be about, like, a serial killer. So you thought that we were going to be talking about awesome B-movies and all that. This is really just going to be a three-hour conversation about Degrassi Junior High. Yeah, which I've never seen. You are such a Philistine. I know. Um, Yeah, I I get really disheartened when things are just either washed out or have a green filter on them and are super, super sharp. And uh, I don't want this to turn into a bitch fest, but usually not very well written, and I'm not trying to slam on anybody. But, like, horror doesn't have to be bad. There are already enough people in the industry who denigrate it, even though it makes uh, the most money. And that's all anyone cares about in this business for the most part. Um, I think that you can make something that looks really cool and is really inventive and with lighting and, and, oh my God, can we just get someone... Okay, there are people who know how to do this, but also there are very many people who don't know how to block a scene foreground, middle ground, background. Or move a fucking camera. Or, listen, I love I love <laughs> like, a locked off shot. I do. I love it when the camera stays still and you just let the actors act. And, like, come on. The, the master of the pan is freaking Steven Spielberg as he just sets the camera down and then moves from one corner to the other. I'm not disagreeing with you on any way, shape, or form, but the one thing that I've noticed in common with all the movies that we recently watched, which we forgot to mention, Vamp, we also watched. Oh, Vamp. Uh, Grace Jones' lovely muted performance. Amazing, muted um, literally, not. But we were we were watching that, and it's a very neon soaked movie that mm-hmm. doesn't turn into a refin fest because it has intention, and it was a very distinct intention. They were using colors to separate the foreground, middle ground, and background, and we were like, oh my god, wait, there's clearly a reason for these things as opposed to let's just do this because it raises production value. Yeah. I I don't know I. Want to bring it back to my original thought, though, and that's the swinging hard and failing. There's a phrase in the tech industry that I've kind of grown attached to, and it is fail faster, meaning get the wrong results first because then you can start to pivot towards the right way of doing something. I got my very own tech bro over here. Listen, if you want to invest in crypto... I didn't even have to go to Silicon Valley. (laughs) If you want to invest in Slowcoin now... It's uh, for every American dollar. It's... You get forty-seven thousand slow coins for one penny. Yes. Cool. Uh, don't, it's gonna skyrocket. 
uh-huh. after the banks collapse, mm-hmm. which is in like three days. Insider mm-hmm. Trading has told me this. Oh, cool. Slow. Uh, yeah, this episode is brought to you by Slowcoin. Uh, <laughs> and puppets. Register now at www.thisisnotahoax.com. Well, here's the thing. Re- bringing it back, because I know that we're so funny, but also we want to talk about the thing. Hilarious. Um, you say these movies have taken big swings and failed, but I got to be honest, not one of these movies did I watch, and I was not thoroughly entertained. So when I'm looking to watch a movie, I'm looking to be entertained. And so on that level, I would say they all succeeded wildly. Yeah, when I say fail, I don't necessarily mean fail at what they're they're setting out to do. Yeah. I think Killer Clowns from Outer Space knew exactly what it was doing from beginning, middle to end. <laughs> I gotta be honest, when that movie started, I wasn't sure I was on board. And then you just kind of fall into this lull where you're like, uh-huh, this is exactly how it's supposed to go. And of course they're shooting popcorn at people and like, why wouldn't they all get out of a clown car? Like, I love they took every single clown joke, essentially, and put it in there, but in not, not like a ha-ha way. Yeah. So, anyway, we should go one by one. Okay, so where do you want to start? We started with, I think, my favorite, which was Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, you were really into Return of the Living Dead. I've I seen that like it. a dozen times. I and loved it's it. still fresh. Yeah, I loved it. Um, fast I, zombies. It has fast zombies. I love a fast zombie. I Well, I love zombies in general. Like, I will never get sick of the zombie genre. Which blows my mind. I think they're always terrifying. They never stop coming for you. So, there you go. Um, I loved the, uh, morgue attendant. Yes. Who I thought was just, just really understood what movie he was in and played it to the hilt. And then, uh, you know who else understood the movie they were in? Linnea Quigley. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just cause she had to get in like a dozen movies before, you know, 1986 where she was topless, bottomless or both. And in this one, it's both. It's both. Well, she Dancing keeps... on a crypt, right? Yeah. Well, she keeps the leg warmers on though. Which is, you have to. Your knees get cold. Your knees get cold when you're dancing naked in a graveyard. Um, and when there's acid rain pouring on you. Right. But so the setup, in case anyone hasn't seen this, I'm sure you all have. I know that I'm behind here. This is about a guy who goes to get a job at like a warehouse. And the boss brags that dead people have been sent to them in canisters. He's still got them in the basement. The, the, the government made a mix up. And he's like, do you want to see him? And they go downstairs and the guys, they see this like guy in a canister with his like mummy rotted face. And the guy's like, well, has this ever been open? They're like, no, this is sealed shut. Like this is government, the the captain of industry that made this, this would never f- be faulty. And he like bangs it with the side of his fist and gas shoots out. And it's like the laugh out loud funny joke of that movie. Like the kickoff. And they just get sprayed with this gas and of course it infects them. And then Stead Body comes back to life. They try to burn it in an incinerator. And then of course it goes up into the atmosphere. The rain comes down and it reanimates everything that was in the graveyard next door. Because graveyard next door to a mortuary. And punks. And punks who were in there dancing, one of them naked. Uh, and that's basically the whole story that leads to uh, zombies running wild outside the cemetery and punks inside this warehouse arguing incessantly. And just zombies who still have kind of function of their facilities. And when an ambulance shows up, number one, the guys who were infected with the gas have no life, like no vital signs. But it's played a little bit for laughs because the paramedics are like, well, you're talking to us, but you're cold and your heart's not beating and you have no blood pressure. And then they, uh, you know, inevitably get eaten. And the zombies like call in reinforcements uh, through the ambulance microphone and 
just bring in waves of victims for themselves. We're, tur- we're turning into one of those like summary movie podcasts well, now? Well, I'm just saying. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. I, I did too. It's... Plus it had Jewel Shepard. Shout out Jewel Shepard. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jewel Shepard, say why. She has uh, an amazing book called If I'm So Famous, How Come Nobody's Ever Heard of Me? Something like that. Uh, she's a B-movie scream queen. A former stripper. Paramore. <laughs> Paramore of the late Mr. Dave Stevens. The late, great, well, I should. Well, I should rephrase it. One of the many Paramores of Dave Stevens. He was quite a, quite a bachelor. Dave Stevens, creator of The Rocketeer. Who crushed ass. Apparently. He had a way about him. Um... But yeah, so first off, right off the bat, I was shocked at how much I actually really, really loved that movie. That was a runner. For every one of these movies that I showed you, uh, you had nothing but nice things to say about them. Loved it. I really, it really made me happy. Made my cold black heart beat again. And then we watched Society, and I, and I actively recoiled from the screen. So uh, Society, for those of you that don't know, is a movie about a young lad who is paranoid about... Uh, his family. His family, essentially. And uh, it does a really great job at never really telling you why. But They're just setting... a little bit weird. Like, you know something's wrong, so it's good with the dread. And they're well upper crust people. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to spoil the ending, but those of you that know, know, uh, the shunting ain't no joke. A lot of great practical effects, a lot of gross um, Vaseline-type jelly. Die, you're getting close to spoiling. You can't spoil that. I didn't know. You didn't know what the end of I mean, society I knew was going in. I did. Which is which is really funny because that whole movie, if it's not for that last scene, uh, it's basically just a weird eighties like fairly teen basic. flick, yeah, like fairly basic. and relatively inoffensive. Yeah. There, I don't believe there's any nudity until the very end. Um, there's plenty of high waist cut uh, bikinis, which was really nice. And undies. Men and women were built different in the eighties. They really were. A lot of flat time. A lot of bodies by aerobics. Oh, the firm. No, yeah, the firm. That was the era of the firm. You love the firm. I love the firm. The firm is better than most softcore pornography. Um, but yeah, the movie is is very right down the middle, just a little bit weird, and then it goes full bonkers in the last like thirty minutes or so. And, and I love the it. conceit, though. I love the conceit. So the basic conceit, clearly, for anyone who hasn't seen this, is rich people are literally built different than everyone else. It's like a whole class warfare thing. Um, and just, they get their kicks and their nutrients, I guess, in a, in a different way than the pores. It's, it's a very apt description. Uh, directed by Brian Usna, mm-hmm. who is uh, somewhat of an auteur in the weird, gross-out, borderline questionable. Mm-hmm. He uh, did Return of the Living Dead 3, yep. which we attempted to watch but could not find streaming anywhere. And uh, also the Faust adaptation. Yeah, I really liked uh, Society, but I will say that I, and I would watch it again, but I, I liked Return of the Living Dead uh, more. Completely different kind of movies. Completely different. Uh, so speaking of the haves and the have-nots uh, and similar 80s thrill ride, uh, Vamp. Well, that's the newest one. we got to go in order. Well, nah, we don't have to go in order. I just wanted to relate it to the okay. similarities. All right, all right. Uh, setup is very similar to Society in that it's basically dudes... Doing their day-to-day stuff. Uh, and it actually, it's a lot more simple than I remember because it literally is two, three guys are trying to find a stripper for a fraternity's party. And they go to the wrong side of town and find uh, Grace Jones vampire at a strip Grace club. Jones. Who's, who's a vampire. 
and chaos ensues. And somewhere in the middle of the movie, I realized that uh, <laughs> Robert Rodriguez almost explicitly ripped off Vamp You're for like, From oh, Dusk Till Dawn. <laughs> this is a club where everyone who works here is a vampire and then everything gets lit on fire at the end. So uh, I hope some residual checks were cashed. Uh, loved the look of the film. And th- we saw right off the bat from the first scene, um, the guys are trying to join, a fr- the two main guys are trying to join a fraternity. And they're doing this hazing ritual. And it, ter- it just goes spectacularly wrong. And the, the two guys who are trying to join the frat are, like, basically bust these guys' balls about how shitty their hazing ritual is. Uh, but they want to be part of the team. And so if we can get you anything, you just let us know. And they're like, yeah, get us a stripper for our party, which then sends them off on their hero's journey i suppose i had the realization when we were watching that though like it's a very specific brand of 80s movie where all of the lead actors are written like bill murray characters but it's also everyone's very snarky everyone's very like i know more than you in a very fun way because they all have a personality oh yeah like it's not plug and play you're not watching a marvel movie it's not freaking white toast all the time i don't know why you gotta hate on white toast so much i mean it's nutritionally devoid of any nutrition man (laughs) allow myself to introduce myself boy i'm gonna show you the door hating on white toast but the the first scene was written very well it it had a flow and a rhythm and the uh, the actors delivered the lines with personality and it was just like it just felt like such a breath of fresh air and i'm i really feel like i'm hating on a lot of new movies and i don't want to do that but like i think it's it's acceptable yeah Listen, if you really want to sing praises for 80 for Brady. Well, it ha- no, it has nothing to do with that. And we haven't seen that, by the way, so we can't actually speak to it. But I'm sure it's perfectly mid, which is worse than being bad. I miss fun movies. That's what I realized is all of the movies that we watched in one way or another were just fun. It wasn't a message movie. I wasn't, nobody was trying to teach me anything. I mean, clearly there's class warfare and stuff in these movies um, and vampire on human crime. But like. The only crime I allow. I feel like nowadays with the rise of quote-unquote barf elevated horror, every horror movie you do, has to you have to think of the theme first and then the story later when really I would just like to watch and make movies that are fun first and then if there happens to be a message tucked in there like you're tucking a vitamin into your dog's freaking baloney, then that's fine. But I, just, I miss having fun at the movies. I do too. I really do. And these movies were all fun. Yeah. Anyway. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I think <laughs> I was collecting my thoughts. I think the thing, again, like I said in the beginning, that really resonates with all of these movies is how much fun the people making them are having. And the practical effects. Well, yeah, practical effects. I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody that listens to this is on the opposite side of that. I think we all grew up wanting like the best, baddest CGI shit that could ever be made. Because we wowed at that. Like, and then they made Terminator 2 and then it was over. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> and then you know, end I, scene. No, I just think that there's so much that we can do now that it's, I appreciate the craftsmanship of stuff that it looks lived in and is on set with actors performing. I think that you and I both don't mind using like CGI blood or, or Oh, I mind no, CGI no, 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 blood. No. Have no, you seen an Expendables movie? Let me finish. In... In the way that you would um, salt food or something, like you would uh, dust it on. It's not the entire meal. It's the the frosting on the cake. If I can use the... The sprinkles on the frosting on the cake. 
somebody's hungry. <laughs> I'm a, to to uh, co-opt your your meal plan over here. Yeah, uh, you want right ahead. you want like a lean burger. You want an eighty twenty mix. Yeah. You want, but the eighty has to be the practical, and the twenty has to be, you know, the Listen, augmented. Listen, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hardcore. I'm gonna go ninety five five. Wow. Yeah, I want ninety five five. I want most of what I see to be in camera, on screen, actors getting blood cannons in their face or goo on their arms or goo. Goo. Um, I only want it like you can. You know when blood is CGI. You know when they're in front of a green screen. You know when stuff's not real. You want the full Verhoeven. Sure. That guy did not stray from a squib. Yeah. Yeah. So. We're not going to talk about RoboCop. <laughs> not yet. We can talk about RoboCop. No, we don't like RoboCop. It's fine. It's fine. You don't like RoboCop. You're anyway, wrong, but. We, I do like RoboCop. Um, I just didn't watch it recently. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we both really dug Vamp, and I think you liked it more than you thought you would on second viewing. I, well, I haven't seen it in like a decade. Yeah. Uh,. But I, I did, I liked it a lot. I think it's super, super funny how many of these movies that I remember from, like, high school, uh, I'm watching now and I'm just like, yeah, this stayed with you because it's better than the stuff that you've been watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and listen, maybe that's on us. Maybe no. Maybe we're just not trying hard no, enough no, to no, find... No, 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 it's no. Not, it's, not, it's not that at all because we also have seen some quality movies, but they're a different kind of movie that yeah. we like that we're enjoying. Yeah. Um, so are you going to tell them about... The, the final selection that you absolutely adored? Well, we have two. Do we? There's Killer Clowns, and then what was the other one? We've already mentioned it once in this podcast, and now it's gone completely out of my head because I still have pandemic brain. Night of the Comet? Oh, yeah, Night of the Comet. But we can skip that one because everyone's seen that one. Yeah. Um, so Killer Clowns from Outer Space. By um, the way, Orion, call us if you want to remake that movie. Yeah. If Orion still exists, which I know they were, and maybe they're not, so I'm not sure. Man, you with this industry inside stuff. <laughs> yeah. I nailed it. So, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is a movie that is beloved to me. Cause I love it. I, I love think it. it's ridiculous. And it is ridiculous. I understand that you were a little reticent because of the title and the tagline, In Space, No One Can Hear You Ice Cream. I thought it was going to be too goofy. Let me put it that way. I think the thing that is an asset to that movie is that it plays it straight. I agree. And I think that's a runner in a number of these movies, especially Return of the Living Dead, where I turned to Carl midway through the movie when various scenes would happen and was like, that's actually genuinely scary. Like, I know these movies are kind of funny, but some of these scenes are, listen, that tar man in Return of the Living Dead? Yep. Terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, there was another scene in that movie, too. What was it? Where I was like, this is actually genuinely very scary. Was it the uh, corpse tied to the table? Yes, the lady, the corpse tied to the table with her spinal fluid leaking out, talking about how much it hurts to be a zombie. Like, that's unsettling. So what was unsettling about killer clowns? <laughs> killer clowns, it was actually the the prosthetics on their faces or the masks, whatever it was, the puppeteering. Which I'm a huge fan of. I love the design of all of them. Like, you can laugh at those things while their backs are to you, but when they turn around and you see their faces, especially when the, the masks change to go from regular clown face to creepy smiling clown face. Like, I don't have a, a fear of clowns, but, like, I that those makeups... Those makeups. What am I doing? Them makeups. Them makeups. Uh, they were genuinely um, unsettling. Yeah. I, like I, I didn't want to get near those things. That's that's kind of my brand. Like the thing that I like about that movie. Oh, though, 
Yes, I'm not going to get a chance to talk no. about anything, am I? The scene where they're in the police station and he's using the cop as a ventriloquist dummy. That's a great scene. And he's got blood drip, like where the lines would be on the ventriloquist dummy. It's blood coming out of his mouth and like rouge on his cheeks. And he's puppeteering this guy's mouth, but it's the clown voice coming out. And then he just rips the dude's heart out basically and drops him on the ground. Very unnerving. I just got goosebumps. From killer clowns from outer space? Yeah. Because um, I have taste. I have good taste. Well, because of your interruption, I completely forgot what I was going to say. So Sorry. If you guys want to start a hashtag on Twitter. Jenna's the worst. Jenna's the worst. going to keep that trending on tricky animals. I'm going to keep that trending. <laughs> we all know the animal verse is uh, super hardy. But I, I, I did want to say, though, I think the thing that I was realizing in watching these is the fact that they play these things so straight and they still function. Like, these are, these are still movies. They're not content. Like, they very clearly yeah. are paced like film. Uh, the performances are a much more elevated like they are in film as opposed to, like, a Netflix streamer where there's a lot of um, positioning, I would say. Sometimes it feels like everyone is going through the motions because it's just a thing that's getting made and not... Like, I know that people care about what they do, but I think you care about some things more than others. And when you have to put so much time and effort into, especially, like, these prosthetic effects or, or and you're working on these low budgets, and it comes through, like you said, that it's nobody's there for the paycheck. They're there because they're like, oh, we're making something really fucking cool. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with that. Listen, I, I'll I was... take a paycheck movie. I don't mind. But I'll bust my ass for it and put everything into it and I'll make it something that I would actually like to do too. I feel like sometimes people just sleepwalk through stuff because it's like, oh, we don't have to actually get the blood here. They'll put it in and post or they'll do this over here and, and it's it's a bummer. Do you know it's a great paycheck movie? What? Paycheck. I hope everyone could just hear that sigh. I hope they agree with me that paycheck is a paycheck. There's... <laughs> Again. But anyway, cutting you off again. Yeah. I think uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space was my second favorite movie that we watched. There we go. Yeah. Slowly converting you. Yeah. Um, And we do have some more stuff up on deck coming up. Uh, Carl has an entire shelf of schlock. um, Shelves. Shelves, but not nearly as much as you thought you had. No. I I got my collection more than I should, I'm sure. Um, I'd call it a first-time watch. We could have watched Deep Rising. That's not a first-time watch. I've watched Deep Rising more than no, most I modern know. movies. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not going to be a first-time watch for me. Um, I will say, though, in watching all of these movies, um, they're all very loud genre. They go for it. They care about it. So in stark contrast to that, I recently watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Before you get into that, can I just add... I'm never going to get a fucking word in, am you I? You are. Just real quick. This isn't, this, isn't a, this isn't a you and me show. This is just a you <laughs> show where I'm like your co-host. Uh, yeah, it's good that you know. You're Howard and I'm the other people. Sure. I just want to say real quick before we get off the schlock of it all. We're going to get off schlock. I feel like a handful of, a group of people who are doing this type of movie well right now are the dudes from Astron 6 who did Psycho Gorman and... Uh, See, here's where my disconnect is on that. While they do have a lot of fun and they are making stuff, it still feels like they're trying to make cult classic movies before they're a cult classic. Yeah, okay. Um... Which I'm totally fine with. I really enjoyed Psycho Gorman. I think it's a little long at times. Um, 
It's got a lot of great ideas, though. It goes hard for it. I think the thing that's special about these other movies we were talking about is they actually got budgets. Like, yeah. they are technically low budget, but, like, Psycho Gorman is a shoestring budget movie. Yeah. If you gave those guys some money, they might be able to make something kind of boss. Like, Psycho Gorman is a very good indication of what they could be doing. For sure. Um, I'm sure Marvel's already hired them. Could be. That's how they got James Gunn. Speaking of Marvel. Which is how I'm going to fucking cycle. Circling it back around to Gotji. Um, so I think I can finally tap out on Marvel movies. I are, like I tapped out before this one. I, I, listen, like I said in one of my posts for uh, for the Jenna Gets Film Schooled, I check doesthedogdie.com before we watch every movie to make sure there's no needless animal deaths. And so I wasn't about to watch a movie that focused a lot on, like, animal experimentation or slash cruelty and pain so that's that's it okay no go ahead uh yeah that was like kind of the the only holdover i had i was like oh, i saw myself all the way to endgame and endgame felt like the the last thing i really had to be invested in as a person who grew up with that shit and even by then i was exhausted from marvel movies um but the only holdover was still uh, the Guardians. It's been, what, 20 years of Marvel now? I'm sure, if that, Iron Man yeah. Iron Man came out what, 2005? Which looks like an actual movie, and then by the time you get to the end, it's uh, it just looks like a Fortnite screen grab. Um, Youths. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's very apparent between the first Guardians movie and the last one how much filmmaking has changed, especially blockbuster, tentpole filmmaking. Um the first Guardians was a long shot. It had a lot of big ideas. It was fresh. It was very fresh. It also felt very clever in a way that I feel like the I'm smelling my own fart started to kick in around the second one. And this goes across the board for all Marvel movies. I think the my problem with these movies is there is an inherent quality of self-embarrassment that doesn't need to be necessary. There's a lot of like... <laughs> you get it, right? Because we're superheroes. <sighs> you don't like the quip of it all. It became a quip fest where everyone essentially had the same voice and everyone had to crack a joke at like serious moments. And it, there are moments of true emotion, especially in James Gunn movies. I think it's something he does really well. But at the same time, there's always a, a, something to undercut the moment as well. Uh, yeah, that, and that's, again, problematic for all of the Marvel stuff for me, because, like, going back to these cult movies we were talking about, all of them take the material very seriously. They play it real. And I think that, you know, aside from, like, the initial phase one of Marvel, like Iron Man, like you said, and all that, they play him pretty real, and then... Yeah, he's a human being. The bigger the ideas get, I think, the more necessary it became for Marvel to pivot to being adult Pixar, essentially. A yeah, like, sure, it's silly, but at least we acknowledge it's silly. And it's like, if you don't... You don't have to be self-referential. Yeah, yeah. It, it's something that bothers me because the trickle-down effect is like, now there are quips in Star Wars movies. I was just going to bring that. I will never forget we are watching, what, what was it, The Force Awakens? Yeah, that was the moment where I was like, well, Star Wars is dead. Then the beginning where, uh, I almost called him Finn McKenty. Um, uh, Oscar Isaac, Poe, is that, that's him where he's like, do I shoot now? Do you shoot now? I shoot, you shoot? What yeah. is it? And he's talking. He can't understand him because of the mask. Yeah. And it's just like, 
you don't have to make a joke here. People are getting slaughtered all around you. Yeah. And you were like, well, that's it. Well, that's when I knew, like, the tone of new Star Wars was going to be drastically different. Because, again, those OG Star Wars movies, not to bring it back to the childhood faves, but they take themselves at face value, much like Killer Clowns does, much Mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever. It's to be in on the thing is, uh, it's kind of important to make a believable movie. And that's why I'm like, these movies fare well with kids because kids don't understand what irony is. Well, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was it... Marvel. God came first. Being. (laughs) Is it that. Brought to you by Slowcoin. Precipitously dropping in value as we speak. Um, Is it that Marvel made the jokes, which then led the kids on the internet to be self deprecating? Or did the self deprecating kids on the internet influence Marvel and what they did in their trying to cater to the widest possible audience because you know again i'm just gonna bitch about shit (laughs) one of our least favorite things especially mine is when people get online and go well i did a thing maybe you should watch it maybe you should read it like not being proud and speaking with a straight spine about a thing that you worked your fucking ass off for and like needing to Make yourself smaller so that the people who are reading or listening to you won't think that you're egotistical or, uh, you know, uh, yes, period, exclamation point. I don't know if I'm going to, I see a direct correlation between the two because I don't think anyone in Marvel is self-deprecating. I think if anything, they're probably a little too confident. Okay. (laughs) Um, I also don't think kids on the internet are that insightful where they're like, well... Hawkeye is self-deprecating, so therefore I should be self-deprecating. I don't. I don't, I don't know if I don't think. I, do you really think your average eleven-teen-year-old is capable of abstract thought, let alone emotional insight? Yes. I know thirty-year-olds who aren't. So I don't think it's overt. I think you hear something enough, you adopt mannerisms or or styles or buying habits. Yes. Brought to you by Slowcoin. <laughs> I I think that once something permeates, it's like drinking poison water, like. You got to drink the water and everybody's going to be on social media and you, you know, you're not going to build up a tolerance like Iocane powder. You're just going to keep poisoning yourself and eventually you're going to become the poison. Was that a Princess Bride reference? I don't know. I went way off the rails on the metaphor, but you know what I'm trying to say. Give me a Princess Bride reference in this economy. Brought to you by Slowcoin. It's better than starting a land war in Asia. Well. <laughs> just recoiling at the idea of politics being on the rebranding of this show. That's the sound of Carl packing his bags. <laughs> it's just Jenna Lynn Wright and Sean Hannity duking it out for control of the Gross. far right on the internet. How did I get lumped in with the far right? You didn't invest in Slowcoin when you had the chance. <laughs> Schemes like that sound uh, more like you'd be friends with Sean Hannity. Nah, me and Elon, we're pretty tight. We're thick like thieves. That's, that's not better. Thick like thieves. Um, and thin like his hair. As we veer wildly off into the weeds. People like the weeds. Uh, circling it back around, I miss fun movies. The movies that we've been watching lately have been incredibly fun. The, the, the moments hit. They're, they're scary when they need to be. They're fun when they want to be. They're gross when they need to be. Um, Even the gross is fun, though. They commit to it. Because they go hard. They commit to it. And I hate to say that people, a lot of people or a lot of movies I've seen lately haven't committed to it, but everything feels sanded down. Okay, so here's a question, and I'm going to posit it to you because 
uh, you've got more experience on this side of the fence than I do, but, sure. and I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to say it okay. because I get paid by the syllable, by slow coin. slow coin, coin. Yeah. yeah. So you're talking about sanded edges, yeah. pulled punches, yep. flat performances, what have you. Uh, how Boring mu- shots. How much of that do you think is A, a response to the need for content 100% of the time, all the time, and the fact that we have to appeal to the widest demographic possible to make that bag. Um, well, because I can tell you, here's the thing. my opinion is those Marvel movies, they started to go downhill when they realized that everyone was going to see them and they had to make sure that everybody liked them, which yeah, is why I call it adult Pixar. That's not... Appealing to the widest audience possible doesn't necessarily ensure that you're going to get that bag because I think that you know as well as I do, when you try to make something for everyone, you make something for no one. And yet... So Marvel's going to make money because Marvel's going to Marvel because everyone knows Marvel. You kind of can't... I mean, even their flops make a ton of money. I think that there is Well, maybe maybe Marvel isn't a good example then. Like, look at the Fast and the Furious series. Like People love it. People love it, and that's a ridiculous series of movies. But, like, any time that it feels stagnant or people need a new reason to come back, they throw in, like, six new characters played by your favorite actors and actresses. But also, it's being essentially helmed now by Vin Diesel, who has been obsessed with that franchise since it started. It's his baby. That's because Riddick didn't take so off. So he cares as much as the people... Like, the people who are making the movies that we're talking about that we love... He cares about the, that, like, Fast and the Furious is his Return of the Living Dead. Oh, there's a scary thought. Do you know what I mean? Like, he loves that franchise and those characters and those worlds as much as the people that we're talking about making these films, these smaller 80s films. I think that's why it's kept going is, yeah, the stunts are spectacular and all of that stuff. But, like, I feel like Vin Diesel has kept that thing going through sheer force of will. And he's just happen to, to make something that a lot of people like. And money. That's what I mean. I think that... I think that there is a need for content, and I feel like you'll see a lot of it on streaming platforms. And I don't just mean Netflix. I mean Tubi. I mean Freebie. I mean there is so... There is a void that you just keep tossing shit into. And some of it's good. Some of it's really good. But a lot of it is like... We need to fill a slot. You've made two short films and one low-budget film that wasn't that good, but we know you can hold a camera, so can you make this plot that we fucking generated from ChatGPT and or, you know, my sister wrote a script. Do you want to come in and direct it? And it's just like, you don't need 47 Amityville horror movies. Hey, you don't you do. need 47 Sharks on the Moon movies. Yes, like, you do. I mean, I'm speaking for myself here. Um... You can't tell me that the people going into those movies and making them are doing it in the same way that the people who made Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Absolutely not. Yeah. Because it's uh, cynical now. Yes, it's very cynical, and that's I think the crux of what we were talking about. Cynicism. It's the difference between I want to make this, I want to make this. I have a real invested idea about it. I've worked on it. Like it has a special place in my heart. Yeah, like, I think other people will enjoy it. You look at Killer Clowns, it's the Kyoto's bros, and they they did everything on it. They were like, one of the guys was the makeup, one of them wrote it with the other guy, and then one of them scored it, and then one of them directed it, and it's like... But they weren't the two guys in the ice cream truck, right? No. Okay. 
Um, but like you hear them talk about that movie and you'd think it's Citizen fucking Kane. Right. Um, I'll watch this a dozen times over Citizen Kane, but mm-hmm. it, it just shows. Yeah. And you can tell in watching tell. it, you can tell that like this was somebody's favorite thing mm-hmm. while they were making it. Yeah. And they're probably still super, super enthusiastic about that movie. Yeah. And I don't think the director of Sharknado 7 is like, so when my life-altering movie was released on sci-fi. Listen, I, and I'm guilty of this because I'll put on those bad movies in the background while I work. And so I'm technically giving them streaming views and ad revenue. Um, I'm not. But I know that I'm not going to pay attention to them, and that's awful in and of itself. It's like, I just have something on in the background that somebody's going to make some money off of, and now maybe they'll, you know, if enough people do that, they'll make another one. I'm creating my own nightmare. So Jenna's at fault. <laughs> Hashtag Jenna's the worst. So Tubi's actually keeping all their uh, their their people fed because of Jenna letting... Listen, I'll make a Tubi movie. D- um, D-list I like movies. Tubi. I like Tubi. Um... I just, I do feel like there's a cynicism nowadays where it's just a content pipeline to fill. And I do, I do want to try to seek out more movies being made currently that remind me of the movies I've watched recently in terms of these quote unquote schlock things. I need to do better. Do you think that watching different things and engaging with stuff you wouldn't normally gravitate towards is going to have an impact on what you create now. 100%. After I watched uh, Lady Snowblood, I was like, what other Japanese revenge, like samurai kind of movies can I get my hands on? Or um, Can I just say I'm a, I appreciate being able to sit on the sidelines while you basically go through like your film journey? Yeah. Like a decade into your film career? <laughs> it's made me want to watch more movies that aren't quote-unquote good, but, like, new perspectives. Like, Nosferatu, clearly a silent film. Like, I was like, maybe I should find some more silent films. Like, I'm definitely, I'm going to be watching some noir stuff. Like, I'm, I know I'm going to dig hard into the noir. So, um, yeah, I'm it, watching those movies has made me want to watch more of those movies. Do you know what I think your problem was? I got a lot of problems, so you're going to have to narrow it down. You didn't engage with schlocky movies and all this weird stuff uh, because you weren't a nerd growing up. Yes, I was. You're a different kind of nerd. You played sports. I also played the clarinet. Well, there was, that was your first mistake. You diversified the wrong way. Were you a mathlete? Uh, for a season. For a season, see. I wasn't any good at math, though, what, so they couldn't really rely on In me. order to find these movies, and I think yeah. this speaks very much to a generational thing, you had to be a social misfit who didn't have a lot of friends, who basically was raised on pop culture. Well, I had a group of friends, and we would watch old movies. Like, I I, uh, vividly remember watching Chopping Mall. We watched April Fool's Day. Chopping Mall is classic fun. Yeah, it's exactly like these. You can't tell me that's that's high cinema. That's another Linnea Quigley movie, isn't it? Uh, It's Barbara Crampton. Uh, The Cramps. Um, Who I love. I'm just saying, like, I did see some of these movies, but, like, yeah, I can't honestly say that I sat down and just binged a bunch of practical effects laden creature features i on the other hand did my dad was out here watching the thing he wasn't gonna show me you know like you know you you mentioned the thing and i think it's funny that somehow that elevated itself beyond the movies we're talking about not at the time not at the time no at the time it was considered an aliens ripoff which i think is hilarious but i mean that movie has kind of earned a place in genre history as like definitely a transcendent movie of practical yes. effects, but like the other movies that we're talking about are not. 
No, and and I understand why. Like the 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 stuff in the thing was uh, exceptional. It was extraordinary. But there's a lot of great effects in these movies that we've seen that shouldn't be dismissed just because they're in a package that might not have lived up to what the thing became. I would agree with that. Well, thank you. There's one thing. That's also why the Thing reboot prequel didn't really work for me, though, because all the things that made the first Thing mm-hmm. special a lot of thing. weren't in it. Yeah, that's fair. All the practical effects were now digital. All the interesting character interactions were now, like, mumblecore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I gotta say, I watched it once and I haven't seen it since, so I couldn't really speak. I think, I think my problem it. with that movie is when the best part of your movie is basically a teaser for the thing at the very end post credit scene kind of thing i'm like well yeah you don't want to you don't want to end your concert on a cover because then people are leaving the auditorium singing someone else's song mm-hmm. and who said that as doc hammer that's right we love doc hammer in this house and jackson public you know she's movie this week there's a new venture brothers we're finally going to get that finale we've been waiting for and we're going to watch uh justified city primeval tonight shout out to vj boyd I don't think anybody really needs promotions from us on a show that's clearly doing just well. Just saying. We you're, love Justified in this house. You're just saying that you oh. like Justified? <laughs> oh, I get it. You can interrupt and ramble on, but I can't make bad puns. But yeah, aside from that, we're, we're going to be watching some more schlock. We might talk about it next time. Might not. We might actually have a real conversation. This is a real conversation. It's a conversation about movies. Yeah? I what do you think be- this podcast is about? Physics? I can try. Oh my god, new podcast idea. Carl talks about physics while knowing nothing about physics. Physics and crypto, the Carl Slominski biography. I, that's so far. Do you know you know H. John Benjamin, who's the voice of Archer? Yes, I do. He famously recorded a jazz album. Yes, I know that. But not knowing how to play piano or sing. I feel like that's... But did it fit in with half of jazz? Half of jazz? Like, I feel like half of jazz, especially if it's free jazz, is just noise. Well, I think that's a gross <laughs> misunderstanding. Listen, you're not going to get me to listen to any free jazz, sorry. This girl out here, she's like, ah, I'm finally watching schlock movies. Ten years, I'll get her watch- listening to uh, free jazz. We'll turn you into an artist whether you like it or not, you fucking commie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want to say that I am very grateful that we've been watching these movies. They have reignited uh, a love for movies that I don't think I've felt for a while. I still love writing them, but, like, I just haven't loved consuming them. And these have been... Movies make it really hard to enjoy. Yeah, these have been uh, a ton of fun. So I'm super into it. So if you have time, I'd like to talk about my new favorite movie. Uh, it's called 80 for Brady. <sighs> and this is where we're going to wrap it up. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm only using 80 for Brady as an example because I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And I... Well, maybe you're not an 80-year-old woman. Maybe you're not the audience. I'm I'm not the audience, mm-hmm. but if, so maybe you shouldn't talk shit about Eddie for Brady. Can, here's the thing: what what is the deal with the early early bird moviegoers that are over the age of sixty and just go see anything? Why are you asking me? It's because you're over sixty. Because <laughs> you... I eat dinner at three thirty doesn't mean I'm sixty five. <laughs> up at four o'clock and you're eating at three thirty. Yeah. And Perkins knows you by name. 
That's fair. I do love Perkins. Yes. All right, listen, tell the peeps where they can find you. Uh, you can find me online at slowmotionart.com. That's S-L-O motionart.com. And on Instagram at Carl Slominski. But uh, I'm a poster and ghoster, so don't expect high-quality content online from me, except here. Here is the place where you can get live and direct with yours truly. And Miss Jenilyn Wright. You can also find me here, obviously. I'm running the show for the most part at Tricky Animals. Just interrupting the show. True. Um, and I am also on Instagram at Jenilyn Wright. Lynn with one N. Da, 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 da. Can't confuse you with the porn star Jenilyn, right? Is there one? Yep. Cool. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not her, unfortunately. And she wasn't in any schlock movies that we've seen recently. <laughs> um, yeah, so we will see you guys next week. And until then... Shut up. Make stuff.